This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of the seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show today from Hooters, 4th Street in St. Petersburg. This week, you're going to hear from Brad Boxberger as he continues his recovery from core surgery. We'll look at the week gone by with former Rays pitcher Andy Sonnenstein. Check in on the Durham Bulls in AAA with their manager, Jared Sandberg. We'll also take a look at the Rays' next opponent with Eddie Encina of the Baltimore Sun and go around the American League with Hal Bodley, the dean of MLB writers from MLB.com. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our featured guest this week is Brad Boxberger. Brad, thanks for joining us. I'm sure the first question fans want to know is, how are you doing? Good. I mean, everything's going well. Everything's uh, going as planned, so um, I'm on track to, to be back soon. Where are you in the recovery process? Give an idea as to what you've done to this point and, and what's the, kind of the next phase. Uh, yeah, I mean, up, up until this point, it's mostly just healing, so... Um, let everything heal up and uh, strengthen it back up. So that's been the been the majority of the work so far, and um, been playing catch, been playing long toss, so uh, keeping the arm in shape and uh, looking to get off the mound here pretty soon. So today would be your first day off the mound. Yeah, scheduled today to uh, get off the mound and uh, see how it feels, and then uh, go from there. How I mean, how big are these kind of little steps along the way? Because this is the first time you've dealt with injury, first time you've been on the DL ever. Yeah, I mean, it's different for me to uh, to experience the DL and kind of go along with uh, having a surgery, so it's kind of new to me, but uh, as as far as I can tell, everything's going well, and uh, I've been feeling stronger and stronger every day, so I think that's the way it's supposed to go. Walk us back, because um, most of us, all of a sudden, you, we found out you needed surgery. So for fans who didn't kind of know what happened, how did this all lead up to you needing the, the core surgery? Yeah, I mean, it kind of kind of went pretty quickly for me too, um, which kind of worked out for me, so I can get back sooner in the season. So, uh, no, just uh, felt it uh, thrown off the mound one day, and uh, just thought it was kind of like a hamstring strain or something like that, and something that I could work around and work through. But uh, got an MRI, and uh, it showed a little bit more damage than we uh, expected. So, um, option for surgery, and it was uh, the best uh, option that there was for me, and. Um, to be able to get back on time and uh, be healthy. Sitting out, I would guess, especially for a high-level athlete, it's never easy when you're doing it, especially the first time. Who's been helpful with you in terms of maybe not the injury itself, but knowing what to expect and how to deal with not being with the club all the time? Um, 
I don't know if there's one person in particular, but uh, just being around uh, Cobb and Whitley, the uh, the rehab crew we have, it's uh, it's been entertaining and, and uh, been able to keep my mind off of not being able to actually compete. But uh, definitely want to get back out there and definitely uh, miss competing right now. How closely do you watch while you're on the DL? The uh, team is on the road now, finishing up a road trip today. Is it easier when the team's at home to kind of stay involved with the club because they're in the clubhouse, or is it easier when they're on the road because you're kind of separate from them a little bit? Uh, I'd say it's probably easier when they're at home because then you actually get to be a part of the team and um, hang out with the guys and actually watch the watch the game live instead of uh, sitting on the couch watching it on TV and uh, not being able to communicate with anyone. And uh, So it's it's definitely better at home. When you're home, do you treat it the same way you would as if you were in the bullpen? Do you spend time down here in the pen? Do you talk to guys? Do you watch as closely as you would normally? Uh, watch as closely as I could, yes, but uh, I can't be on the field, so I'm not really allowed in the bullpen uh, being on the DL, but um, definitely looking back to get back and uh, be a part of the pen. How impressed have you been about some of the guys that have kind of had to step up? Uh, during this time. Alex Colomay, obviously Xavier Cedeno, any Romero would be probably the three guys who've had the highest leverage situations to this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, for all of them to step up in the situations they've been put in is uh, uh, definitely a good sight for us as a team and uh, definitely for uh, Erasmo also, just being able to bounce back and forth and uh, be able to do the pen work and start. So uh, that's definitely a versatile tool that we have. Neil Solons with Brad Boxberger on This Week in Race Baseball. As you take a look, Brad, at the injury that you had and the time that you're missing, is it possible that it could be seen somewhat of as a positive? And what I mean by that is you're missing time early. I guess the hope is is that means your arm is going to be as strong as possible in September and August in the pennant rush. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely that's the way I'm looking at it, to uh, take a bright side out of everything. It's, uh, it's a rest period for my arm and uh, to take those innings off early and to be able to use them late and uh, – Hopefully through uh, September and October um, is definitely the goal here. So um, having a little break early and having the guys step up that uh, need to keep us in these games, it's uh, definitely helpful. The other positive that I would think would be there would be this fact that you do during this stint, at least part of it, get to spend a little more time with your family. You've got a daughter who's just over one right now. Um, how do you look at, at kind of the extra time you get with family? Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit of extra time on uh, when the team's on the road with uh, your family, but um, home games, I'm here earlier than I usually would be, so I lose a couple hours there during home games. But uh, on the road, it's nice to, to be able to spend a little bit more time with my family and uh, enjoy what I can being on the DL. How has fatherhood changed you? Um, and now you're one of the veteran guys in the bullpen, too. Yeah, I mean, fatherhood uh, definitely changes your perspective on everything. Um it's more about uh, how are my decisions going to impact my kid's life and not uh, just me or my wife directly. So um, definitely uh, think a lot more on, on actions that um, you can do throughout the day and uh, um, kind of go from there. Relievers are supposed to have, a, I guess, a, a memory they can wipe away and move on from one day to the next. Does it make it easier, too, when you come home to your daughter or see her in the morning after a tough day, whenever that may be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, family family first in my life, so um, no matter what happens on the field, as soon as I see her smile, and um, it kind of puts everything into perspective on it's just a game here, and uh, family is more important. Your wife also is very involved now with 
Ray's wives, uh, Anna and Allie Forsyth, are kind of heading the group this year. What does it mean to have her more involved, too, with the Rays and some of the community work that's being done? Uh, a lot more work for her. <laughs> uh, no, they've uh, they've both been uh, busting their tail trying to trying to get stuff set up for this year and uh, trying to get the wives more involved in the community and uh, trying to be more of a community outreach as uh, the wives can be for uh, the Rays and for the uh, community in general. So uh, it's exciting to see her and Allie work together and uh, try and put stuff together for us to do. When you came over first from the Padres organization, how close were you with Logan initially, and how much did it help when you came from somewhere else that you had someone you knew? Yeah, it definitely helps coming to a new place when uh, you know someone or uh, a couple of guys, and uh, it definitely helps the transition of uh, being on a new team and a new organization. So uh, knowing him definitely uh, made it a little smoother, but uh, it's still a change in, in overall. And obviously you've adjusted quite well. Last year you had more than 40 saves. What did that accomplish mean, or accomplishment mean to you to hit that mark in your first year closing? Um, I didn't really know uh, going into the season that it, it could lead up to that, but it definitely uh, gave me the confidence to go out there every day and uh, do the job that I can do and uh, be able to throw in any situation. What was the biggest thing you learned closing games last year that you think once you return from the DL is going to help you this year? Um, probably that failure is going to happen, and uh, especially in that uh, role, there's one pitch can be the make or break in a game. So just being able to go out there every day with a, a clean slate and a clean mind and uh, being able to go out there and compete that night. Were there particular relievers that were especially helpful in getting adjusted to pitching in the ninth inning? Because you did have, with the group last year, a little more experience. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of kind of a fluid situation last year with uh, with Jepson and McGee kind of coming in and out throughout the year and uh, definitely just being able to figure it out and uh, kind of just learn as I went. Again, we're chatting with Brad Boxberger on our This Week in Rays baseball program. From the standpoint of pitching out of uh, the bullpen, um, your father, I mean, you're uh, unique in that you had a dad who was a professional pitcher too. How much do you lean on him, talk to him much about pitching, or is it most about father-son stuff at this point in your life? Uh, at this point, it's more about father-son stuff. I try to uh, separate um, family and the game. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit, but it's more conversations about just everyday life. Early on, was he a guy, though, who... I guess, got you excited about the game? Was it because of him that you started playing initially? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think there's definitely a uh, push for me to play and uh, because he did play and uh, the success he had. So um, definitely there probably was a little bit of a push, and I just found out that I was pretty good at it, so I just kept going with it. You talked about how family is important. Uh, we mentioned the new addition, or relatively new addition to your family. Uh, didn't ask you about someone who's been with your family for a handful of years now, and that's your bulldog, Ralph. How has the bulldog, how has Ralph adjusted to being, I don't know if second, or having, you know, being around a child? Uh, he's actually adjusted pretty well for uh, for his uh personality on being an only child there for for a few years and then uh, having a new addition definitely uh, he's taken on the role uh, of, of a big brother pretty well I think every member it seems of this pitching staff or at least a majority of them have a dog were you a dog guy growing up yeah I had a dog growing up and I've just loved him ever since so uh, definitely having a dog in the family is always something that I wanted to do 
was this your first bulldog and how is a bulldog I guess they always say you need a bulldog mentality as a pitcher. How is a how is a pitcher at all like a bulldog now that you have one and have had one for a handful of years? Yeah, it's definitely uh, the stubborn personality and uh, just being able to kind of go out there every day and do what you want to do and uh, keep your mindset on one thing and not change from, from that track. Well, hopefully it's not long before you're, you're back on the mound and pitching for the race. What are some of the things that you do to kind of relax your mind during the course of a season because I mean there's a chance that any day you can be in there pitching in a high leverage situation yeah it's just kind of going day by day going through my routine and uh, trying to keep my mind off of off of the game outside of when I uh, when the game's going on so it's just a matter of preparing once I get to the field and uh, once I leave the field it's a matter of just uh, letting my mind go and uh, taking off the pressure of the game some guys like to either, I don't know, some guys will fish, some guys will play video games, some guys will find something that kind of allows them to relax away. Are there any particular things that are important to you to do to, to kind of get you away from the game of baseball when you're off the field? Uh, if we're at home, it's just spending time with my daughter. She uh, definitely takes my mind off the game and doesn't let me think about the, the game too much, being uh, that she wants all the attention. So. Uh, it's that at home and on the road. It's just getting out and walking around the city that we're in and uh, enjoying the cities that we get to go to. Well, hopefully it's not long before you're enjoying every road trip again and not long before you're pitching off the regular mound in the middle of the diamond for the Rays. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Brad Boxberger. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. Today from the Hooters, 4th Street in St. Petersburg. Rays getting set to take on the Yankees in the last of three. And the big story this week, of course, was Blake Snell, the top prospect, making his Major League debut yesterday. And joining me to talk about that in the week gone by, a guy who pitched for the Rays at the Major League level for several seasons, still lives in the area, and was also part of our spring training broadcast, too. Andy Sonnenstein. Sonny, thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, Neil. Let's start with uh, Blake Snell's start yesterday. What were your first impressions? Obviously, there was a lot of hype going into his start. Right. Uh, I know there's a lot of expectations with that kid, and I, I thought he did great. I thought once he kind of settled in and really kind of trusted his stuff, you know, there was a little bit of definitely some nerves. I mean, you could tell that with his, you know, body mannerisms a little bit. But I think he settled in great, and the stuff he was bringing to the table, that fastball and that curveball, come on, that's got to be hard to hit. How hard is what he did? I mean, you've been you've pitched at Yankee Stadium to make your major league debut there. Uh, I mean, how hard is that to do? I mean, I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. So I think him, you know, it, it, it's tough. I think he did a great job, especially in on that huge stage. And I think it'll probably be easier anywhere else, you know, in the league for him at a later date. What he did yesterday and that he knew he was going back down to AAA after the start because the Rays don't need a fifth starter for a while with all the days off, and one would think it would be Erasmo. What does that do for his confidence when he goes back down to AAA, knowing that he has – I mean, it's one thing to think you can perform at the major league level, but to do so against the Yankees in New York, I, I would think, has to help. Absolutely. That's going to boost his confidence level tremendously. Because like you said, you, you think you can have success in the big league level, but you never truly know unless you go face a lineup. And he faced a, an extremely good hitting lineup yesterday and had a lot of success. I mean, 
the one pitch that stands out to me is that slow curveball to McCann. I mean, the way that thing broke, I mean, you're locking up one of their best hitters on that pitch. And, I mean, I, I, was, I was really impressed with that curveball yesterday. Mentioned as much. You know, the guy who took the loss yesterday was Erasmo Ramirez, but I thought he did an extremely good job and has so far this season. He's gone back and forth from bullpen to starter, now to bullpen. You've had to do a little bit of that. How difficult is it to be able to do, and how much of it is the mental aspect of the game? Uh, it's pretty tough, um, but I think he's a mentally strong guy. Uh, you just you just have to pride yourself on being ready for absolutely anything, whether it's a start, whether it's you know some guy gets hit with a line drive in the second inning, and you got to get your team to not blow out the bullpen, somehow stretch it out to the sixth or seventh. You know you have to be a jack of all trades, and mentally. You can't be caught off guard by anything, so you have to be prepared every single day for a crazy situation. And I think his personality is perfect for that. I think he's a he's a strike thrower coming in, getting ahead of hitters. And you're right, man. He has done a great job thus far. And you mentioned the last aspect, which is what I was going to bring up. I mean, don't you have to be a strike thrower to be able to pitch in a number of roles and also be durable so you can bounce back quickly from outings? For sure, that's that's really important. You know, if you're if you're in clutch situations, falling behind guys, you know that <laughs> it doesn't bode well. I mean, you've seen those batting averages in the O2 count to a 2 count. So, you know, strong strikes is, is is really key for him. I think he he can do that all season as long as he just keeps working hard. Razor in kind of salvage mode today, trying to get the last of three against New York, but it would end up a three and three road trip, and they have a guy who I would figure at this point of the year. Again, it's going to change during the course of the season. A guy they would want on the mound in Drew Smiley. You saw a lot of Drew starts this spring, and obviously you've seen some of his starts so far this season. What has impressed you the most about what Drew has done to this point? I think the way he mixes and matches his stuff, he's got quality pitches. He throws to quality locations as well. He doesn't just throw strikes to throw strikes. You know, he's, he's hitting that outer third of the plate, putting it in a tough spot for that hitter. And his curveball is pretty nasty. I mean, all all the stuff he does is, has impressed me. You know, there's not too many things I would change about Drew. He's, he's, he could have a real good year this year. And obviously health is going to be a key factor in that. He made just the 12 starts a year ago, but he's gone into the seventh inning or better three starts in a row. What does that mean to a team and a staff when a guy does that? And how much does that help out of bullpen? Oh, it takes a lot of the pressure off, and you can start doing the math. You know, when he gets to the park, oh, it's his day? Sweet. We'll probably only need, like, two or three guys to finish out the game, and then you can start, you know, giving your guys in the bullpen some work. But, yeah, getting deep in the game and not wearing out your pen, especially early in the year, is pretty key. I know on the flip side of that, the guy who's been probably the biggest surprise on the other end has been Chris Archer. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that through four starts, A, he wouldn't have won, and B, that he wouldn't have gone, what, more than five and a third innings in a start to this point. Is there anything you can pinpoint watching him at all that you see that's different from last year? Uh, not really. I mean, he still has explosive stuff. And like you said earlier that he hasn't won, you know, some of those wins and losses are out of his control. You know, obviously he hasn't been doing as everybody thought he would, but that's the greatest thing about having 36 starts during the year. You know, he's going to he's gonna hit his stride, I'm sure of it. He's a quality kid, smart individual, and he's got some outstanding stuff. So I, wouldn't, I would tell everybody to not get him. 
And the other thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned some things are out of control. And, look, the Rays have never been a top offensive team. You know, in, in 2010, they were third in the in the league in scoring. But other than that, they've not been able to score a ton of runs. Does it affect a pitcher's mindset at all when you know you don't have a lot of margin? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you just kind of try to be a little more tight and stingy with your runs that you give up. But, you know, it's, it's like I said, it, it, we're in the American League, so it's not like the pitcher can drive in a couple runs, you know. So it's uh, it's a little bit out of their control, and you you got to just not focus on that as much. You know, you got to have faith in your hitters that they're going to give you quality at bats and do the right thing with a guy in second, maybe try to hit that hit that ball first base side, advance the runner, and that's a that's a tough thing. That's a that's a team mentality. You have to have a hitter who's willing to almost sacrifice his at bat to move the guy over and sometimes that means not getting a hit and that's gonna hurt your average. So if you can get that team mentality to, you know, everybody on a cohesive unit charging toward a common goal, I think, you know, that kinda of gives a pitcher a little bit more of a a piece of mind when he's out there. Well said, Andy. We appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll have you again on soon. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. That is Andy Sonnenstein, again, former race pitcher. And before we continue on this week in race baseball, let us pause for station identification. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. Thank God. 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM. Home. The Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays baseball. Let's take a look now at the Rays minor league system. One of the bright spots in AAA Durham so far on the mound is a guy who might not be a household name to you. His name is Austin Pruitt. The right is 2-0 and with a 1.89 ERA over three starts, and he joins me right now. Austin, what has it meant to get to AAA, first of all, and have this kind of success? Uh, well, it, it, it feels pretty good. Uh, you know, whenever I first got drafted, you know, being in AAA seemed like a real, real far away. You know, pretty far away, which it is. But it, it's uh, it's pretty cool that that I'm here, and and, uh, and it, it feels pretty nice. You know, you look at your numbers in the course of your career, and you've always been a guy who doesn't walk many people. But you look at your three starts, and you've got what 27 punchouts now in 19 innings pitched. Is there something you're doing differently at this level? Some change that you suddenly made that's clicked to be able to also get swings and misses more frequently? Um, no, I, I think it really just comes down to uh, the pitch calling and, and Maley has you know, he, he's been fantastic behind the plate. You know, he, he knows all these hitters. This is his he's been in the big leagues and this is his second year uh here in Durham, so you know, he's got a great game plan behind the plate. And I think it also comes down to, to executing those pitches. Um you know, without you know, without you executing pitches, you know, you're gonna get hit around a little bit, so I've I've been able to, to kinda of do that these past few games. Are, are there things, though, that have improved with the quality of your stuff? And, and for fans who haven't seen you, give a, a little scouting report as to what types of pitches you throw and and your mix. Um, well, you know, I got uh, pretty standard. I got my fastball, curveball, uh, changeup, and a cutter. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty consistent with all my pitches. I can throw them off for strikes. And, yeah, I think that's what kind of helps me out. Is there one that you would consider a plus pitch, or is one that you've gotten more of your strikeouts on than, let's say, the others? Uh, I mean, I would say that they're all they're all pretty solid pitches. I wouldn't, you know, they're all pretty, you know, pretty good. I wouldn't say, you know, real, you know, real plus pitches, but I'd say they're they're pretty solid. 
Now, you mentioned the, the, the fact that you've gotten to this point and, and getting the AAA. You know, I read a story written about you. Your dad actually drove, what, 1,200 miles from Texas to see your first AAA start? What did that mean? It, it, it meant a lot. Um, I, know, I know he's had a great time watching me, you know, throughout my baseball career with, you know, high school and college and stuff. Yeah, it, it means a lot. How would you describe your overall journey, um, you know, to get to this point to where you are? I tell you, it, it, it's been it's been long, and it, it's been it's been very exciting. Uh, you know, a person that's been to all levels of baseball, it, it's uh, it, it's been a really it's been a really fun and a really good experience. Now, you were a guy who was not drafted out of high school. You had to go to the junior college route. Then your great junior college years led you to the University of Houston. Do you? I don't know if the word is a, a chip would be the right word, but do you carry a little bit of that to? Uh, as motivation uh, for what you've kind of gone through to get to this point? Um, yeah, a little bit. You know, there's, there's – I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit just because, you know, there's just been a lot of people, I'm, I guess, that, that saying that I can't do something, you know, but I, I I do my best to try and work as hard as I can to prove all those people, you know, that, that I can try and prove them wrong. The Rays are kind of a different organization, too, in terms of what they look for in pitchers. I mean, you and I would say Jamie Schultz probably don't fit the mold. Both of you are under six feet tall as starting pitchers. Um, do you think that, you know, in some because of the Rays have gone that different route, that that kind of helps you a little bit? Yeah, I think so. They, they, uh, they you know, they use some some software type stuff. It's called Pitch FX, and it tells you a lot about uh, your pitches and where you are amongst other MLB pitchers or you know other pitchers in the organization. I think that's helped uh, helped me out and, and Schultz out a lot as well. And, and AAA baseball is a slightly different animal because of the veteran type of hitters you're going to see in that league. Obviously, you're having success, but what have you noticed that's different about the type of hitter that you're facing compared to prior levels? A lot of them are, are pretty patient. Um, you know, they, they kind of look for one. They kind of look for a pitch, and if they don't get that pitch, you know, they're they're either fouling it off or they're going to take it. Um, and they're they're all just they all have real good eyes. They, they you know they they're all they're all they're all good hitters. We mentioned Jamie Schultz, but not only he, but you've got Blake Snell and Matt Andres, talented guys who are either prospects or, in Matt's case, have been to the big league. How much does do the group of you kind of drive one another to get better and help one another? Uh, I, I think we we kind of drive each other a lot. Uh, you know, I think if one of us has a good start, that kind of pushes another one of us to to want to do that same thing and, and work a little bit harder. Well, Austin, hopefully more good starts to come. We certainly appreciate a few minutes on our This Week in Race Baseball program. Of course. Thank you. Thanks to Austin Pruitt for being with us. Let's take a broader look at the AAA club in Durham. And joining us now is the Bulls manager, Jared Sandberg. Jared, thanks very much for being with us. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. Before we talk a little about uh, Austin Pruitt, I think it's been a, a bit of a pleasant surprise. Let's begin with Blake Snell since he made his Major League debut yesterday. Can you give us a feel what the – the sit-down was when you told him he was going to the big leagues for the first time? Yeah, it was a lot of fun for me. got a phone call by 12.15 uh, midday and uh, called Blake um, right away when I was told he was going up. And uh, he was out front of the hotel down there in Norfolk, and he was on his way to go get some lunch on the day that he was going to start. And I told him I'd meet him in the lobby. I needed to talk to him real quick. And... 
them in the lobby. I also knew that Kyle Snyder, pitching coach, and um, and our roping uh, pitching coordinator uh, Dewey Robinson was in town. They were they were having lunch down in the restaurants. So I knew they were there and they'd want to be a part of a conversation to let Blake know he's going to the big leagues for the first time. So I grabbed Blake. We went into the restaurant and he just thought we were just going to have a conversation or whatever. And I told him he wasn't pitching and he was going to make uh, a start in Yankee Stadium. He was getting his major league call up. And uh, he was ecstatic. He was shaking. Um, and that big Blake Snell smile that we all now know about. Um, and he was really excited. How impressed were you about the way he handled himself? I don't know how much you got a chance to watch yesterday because you get a, did have a, a doubleheader because of a rainout on Friday. I, I watched every pitch. <laughs> uh, we, were in, we were in the clubhouse. And, uh, we had the game on a couple different uh, platforms in the clubhouse, and I watched every pitch. I was uh, very pleased with the way he performed, uh, the way that he handled himself in that environment. It's uh, not always easy to go into New York, uh, Yankee Stadium, and even face a veteran lineup like he did, and he did a great job. You know, you have had a, a number of good starters there. Matt Andres did a nice job yesterday through a, a complete game and a one nothing defeat against Norfolk. But the guy I had on earlier is maybe a little bit of a surprise because he's a little unheralded. What can you tell us about Austin Pruitt and the three starts he's had so far? Yeah, I mean, his three starts are pretty impressive. He starts out his first two starts with back-to-back 11 strikeout games, and he uh, definitely showed the swing and miss, breaking ball and change-up and cutter. Uh, fastball, you know, velocity was was um, was there when he needed it. And, you know, he's put together some impressive seasons, and he's, he's very consistent, making all his starts. And uh, for him to get off to a good start here in AAA and his AAA debut was very impressive. And the way he did it was, you know, with uh, with with all of his pitches, and he was throwing all of his pitches for strikes, um, and uh, commanding the strike zone, which was which was awesome. Jared, a couple of the other guys I wanted to touch on uh, on the offensive side: Richie Schaefer and Taylor Motter. Uh, how have they fared so far from a defensive standpoint? First, uh, because I know Taylor has played more infield, and also Richie Schaefer uh, from uh, moving around a bit. Yeah, Richie's played uh, first, third, and uh, right field. Moved around a little bit defensively, and uh, Richie's off to a pretty good start for us. He had some big hits, some big two-out RBIs, and um, he's he done a nice job. He's taken his walks, uh, his, his strikes on judgment's really good. And then uh, you know, Moder off to a similar start he got off to last year, which is a little bit slower than uh, maybe he would have liked. But uh, I think he's going to be able to lean on his experience from last year and, and get off to uh, you know somewhat of a better start at some point here. Uh, hopefully soon. How how is he fair playing shortstop more frequently though? Because that's he was more of an outfielder last year. I know he started his professional career as an infielder. Yeah, Taylor's done an outstanding job. He has made all the plays uh, at shortstop, um, whether the routine play, whether it's the uh, you know the hard charging play. He's made a couple of good backhand plays. Uh, showed good leadership skills with Nova Diamond, and uh, for me, he's done an outstanding job. Uh, big league shortstop for me. I think most people probably don't realize how hard the AAA level is, uh, not only from a player standpoint, but from a management standpoint. You guys have been fortunate because until Blake got called up, you hadn't had a transaction. But what is the biggest challenge to you since you just managed there at that level for the first time and obviously played several years at the AAA level too? Yeah, this year's you know a lot different than last year. Last year there was you know the injuries in, in with the big league team and. And uh, a lot of transactions early and uh, all the way throughout the entire season. So this year has been different where we haven't had that much um, many people going in and out. Um, so, you know, the, the clubhouse has been pretty stable. we got a, a good group of guys, and 
Uh, it's been nice to to have that stability and be able to you know move the guys around, give the guys rest, um, but also you know let them get comfortable as well, getting off to a good start. Uh, so I mean, so far this year, it's a lot different than last year, but. Like I said, we got a good group of guys, and you know we're off to a decent start from a record standpoint. We're competing. Um, I don't know exactly the number, but you know it's been quite a few one-run games, so we're, we're we've been pretty much in every game, and uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Well, hopefully it continues to be that way, and uh, as guys, some of the new guys get accustomed to AAA, they'll continue to uh, improve as the year goes on. Jared, we appreciate a few minutes. Good stuff as usual. Jared Sandberg, the manager for the AAA Durham Bulls. Now we continue on this week in race baseball today from the 4th Street Hooters in St. Petersburg. Coming up, we'll look at the race next opponent, the Orioles, with the Baltimore Sunbeat writer Eddie Encina, and we'll go around the American League with Hal Bodley, the dean of MLB writers from MLB.com. That's next. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back. Neil Solon's with you on this week in race baseball. Today from the Hooters, 4th Street, St. Petersburg. Race back at home tomorrow, taking on the Baltimore Orioles. And joining us right now, former race beat rider, and for the past several seasons, the Orioles beat rider, Eddie Encina from the Baltimore Sun. Eddie, thanks for coming on. How surprised are you at Baltimore's start as they'll be atop the American League East when they come tomorrow to Tropicana Field? Yeah, I think that most people, even who follow this team you know, on a regular basis and follow them every day, would be surprised with their start. Um, I think that, you know, the, the big uh, – I don't think anyone really expected them to run out to that 7-0 start. I think that's kind of been the biggest surprise. Um, and, you know, they've actually surprised me in a lot of ways, though, even beyond the, the 7-0 start. I mean, one of the big things that, uh, you know, the team struggled with last year, you knew they were going to hit a lot of home runs, but, uh, you know, their situational hitting and, and uh, you know, patience at the plate really kind of lacked. And, you know, right now they're uh, – you know, they have, I think they're leading the American League in on-base percentage – um, so, or they're among the leaders there. So, uh, it was just something that they really struggled with in terms of drawing walks, walk, working counts, stuff like that. So that was definitely a, a uh, an emphasis in spring training. Um, but and when you complement the lineup with what it is, with all those guys who can hit the ball really far with, um, you know, some patience at the plate, I think that's really kind of been one of the big, uh, big improvements in this team so far and certainly it's a it's a small uh sample size but how sustainable eddie do you think it is over the long haul yeah we'll see i think what it's really going to end up coming out, down to is just like we, we we were talking about at the beginning of the year the starting rotation and how uh, how that can be sustained i mean uh you know buck showalter really kind of started the season basically with three three different long men um mm-hmm. so he, he could uh have guys who, who could give him multiple innings in case the starting rotation was, was giving some short starts, which they were early on. So, um, But, you know, now it's going to be interesting because the Kevin Gossman coming off the DL, Brian Mattis coming off the DL, they're going to have to make some space for that. It might be a luxury that they're not going to have, which is going to mean that you know, some of these starters uh, are going to have to go deeper in games. And that's something that I think no matter what, that's going to have to happen if these guys are going to remain, you know, competitive, especially down the stretch and, and you know, August and September when, you know, really pitching and, 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 you know, having those kind of lockdown arms really becomes, uh, you know, a big part of, of, of making that last push. And isn't that really the issue that they ran into last year, that the starting pitching really wasn't that good after the break and that kind of curtailed their chances? Yeah, I mean, that's really what happened. I mean, they, they had a couple guys who really kind of had pretty rough second half. You know, Chris Tillman uh, you know, had a rough second half. Miguel Gonzalez, who, you know, isn't on the team anymore, he had a rough second half. Um, and also, obviously, you know, they lost 
probably their most dependable and, and consistent starter in way in Chen too. So um, I think uh, you know, honestly, I think that the uh, the return of Gossman is really going to be big because it, it's for the first time they're really kind of taking the reins off of him. Uh, he opened the season on the DL with with shoulder tendonitis, but the whole idea of that was still to you know ensure that he could pitch and he could go uh, and stay healthy over the long haul. So. Um, I think he's, he's a big part of this thing because they're going to need him to really kind of emerge as, as a frontline guy and, and be a guy who's going to give them, you know, seven, eight innings in every fifth day. So I uh, combine that with, with uh, you know, the, the other guys. You know, you've had guys like, you know, I don't think anyone expected Mike Wright to be in the starting rotation. I don't, I don't know if people thought that Vance Worley would, would uh, you know, get, get you know, as many starts as he's gotten so far. So, um, you know, some of it's been a little bit of patchwork, but you know they're just going to need consistency, consistency, uh, you know, top to bottom from that rotation. I think that's going to be key. You know, there was a, a report earlier in the week, I think, about Kyle Loesch potentially being someone they would look at to add depth to their rotation. Is that realistic? And in this early, do you think they are still looking for depth in additions? Well, the one thing that Andy Kett does in, in assembling a team is he's he's, he's always he looks at, at assembling the team as as a, as a year long process. You know. Um, we all know about how, you know, the Orioles have been pretty savvy late in the off season, going into spring training with, with making some of these signings that, that uh, maybe were under market value, uh, having to do with the qualifying offer. They did it this year, and they, they did it, you know, a couple of years ago, and it, it really worked out for them. But um, I think, you know, the, the low situation, it, it is one of those things where, you know, he's David gets always going to kind of look for options that that could, uh, you know, help the inventory, I guess, of, of, of starting pitching and. And, uh, and what they have, because when you really look at it, this team, the, the starting pitching inventory is really down in double A. It's not so much in triple A anymore mm-hmm. because, you know, guys like Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright are on the major league staff. So, you know, you do need to find some fill-ins, I guess, in terms of guys who can help that depth who are major league ready. You know, they've got a good, a good batch of young arms in double A, but, and, and we might see some of those guys in kind of, you know, the, the shuttling kind of roles if they need an extra guy extra bullpen arm to give him some length or something like that. But uh, in terms of, of getting a guy who you know, can give him, uh, you know, can, can fill in if, if one of their starters goes down, they still do you know, kind of need some of that. You know, Tyler Wilson can do it. Um, you know, obviously Worley has done it. Um, you know, I think one of the big things moving forward is seeing you know, how Dylan Bundy's innings uh, count works. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a possibility, and I don't know if it's necessarily a, a big possibility, but you know, that, that he gets enough innings that they could run him out there for a spot start, maybe, you know, four or five innings, something like that. And that's a lot for a guy who, you know, really hadn't pitched that much since Tommy John surgery in uh, 2013 with a lot of injuries. So um, a lot of different things. But I think the, the lowest thing to answer question is it's interesting because it does kind of add to the uh, the supply of arms, which, which Dan Duquette's always looking to kind of, improve on certainly interesting to watch and another thing i think that would be interesting to watch from a race standpoint is joey rickard rule five pick Mm -hmm. so far so good um how long can he keep this up well he's kept it i mean he's found ways to really i think impress people more every day i mean we kind of knew that he wasn't going to have the the uh you know the start he wasn't going to be able to sustain the start that he had which was amazing but you know I, i think the thing about joey is that buck Buck always uses the term of, of ha- having trustworthy players. And for a guy who's a Rule 5 pick and, uh, you know, started last season with what, uh, in the Florida State League with the Charlotte mm-hmm. Stone Crabs, 
you know, he's really become a trustworthy player for the team, you know, I mean, and very quickly, you know, they trust his defense in left field, they trust his arm out there, they've, now they've trusted him to, to hit atop the lineup, which is something that I don't think many people projected to happen this quickly. Eddie, as usual, great stuff. Thanks for a few minutes. We'll see you this week. Thanks a lot, Neil. And that is Orioles beat writer and former Tampa Bay resident Eddie Encina from the Baltimore Sun. And joining us now to take a look across the American League is a guy who is the dean of writers for Major League Baseball. Now his 58th consecutive year covering Major League Baseball with MLB.com. Hal Bodley joins us. Hal, thanks for a few minutes. Hi, Neil. How are you today? Hey, let's start, since Eddie Encina was talking specifically about Baltimore from a broader scale, how surprised are you on a national level that Baltimore's gotten off to the start they've gotten off to? I looked at the Orioles uh, during spring training, Neil. I thought that, you know, this is a ball club that's really going to be struggling. I didn't see them atop the American League East. I didn't see them pitching very well, and and I didn't see that much hitting. But they're doing a lot what Toronto did this time last year. They're just uh, out-hitting everybody. Uh, Their starters, none of them have won more than one game, but they're able to hang in there and win these games. I I think that's what's really interesting. And after the Rays, of course, they go home and they're going to play the White Sox, one of the big surprises in the American League. So we're going to have to watch that series to see just how, how they stack up with the White Sox. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. As you take a look across the board of the teams leading the division, specifically in the American League, you've got the White Sox, you've got Baltimore, and you've got Texas slash Oakland atop the West. Of those well, four teams, which one would you say is the most for real in terms of the big picture the long haul this year? Well, you know, I think Texas is. Uh, they tore down that ball club that went to the postseason so many times to the World Series. Uh, they've rebuilt. Uh, they've got Cole Hamels as the ace of the pitching staff. I think this ball club really has a chance to you know, go all the way and win that division. I like a lot of things about the Texas Rangers. Let's look on the flip side of things. You've got at the bottom of their respective divisions, you've got Houston, which was in the playoffs, beat the Yankees in the wild card. They were, they're were 6-12. And Minnesota, which got above 500 last year, had a nice bounce back, a rebuilding campaign, so to speak, with all the young kids they have coming up. They started out 0-9, and now they're 5-13. and 13. Which is more surprising on that end to you? Well, Neil, I think you have to start with Houston. I mean, this was going to be the state-of-the-art franchise, my friend. They talked about how they tore it down, rebuilt it you know, with a lot of the, the quote-unquote innovative ways to build a team with the minor leagues, uh, supplying good players, blending them with veterans. And I, I thought Houston would be really close to the top, if not on the top right now. But, uh, but the Astros have just been one huge surprise to be so poor. And sometimes when this happens, when you get off to such a big start, or a bad start, I should say, or you try to do too much too soon, and it might be hard for them to get back on track. Obviously, it's early. They have a lot of good talent. Uh, but that is a huge disappointment in Houston. The thing that I try to remember uh, in all this, and again, we're talking with the Dean of Writers uh, for Major League Baseball, Hal Bodley from MLB.com, is that last year the Jays won the division almost going away, and they started the year 19-26, and 26, and they were near 500, almost at the 90- or 100-game mark. Um, so I try to kind of you know, temper my enthusiasm or excitement or disappointment either way. Houston, I guess, biggest surprise is through 18 games, they and Boston are the two worst pitching teams in the American League, and that to me is the most surprising thing because they're built on pitching. No question about that. Uh, they really are. But you know John Quinn, the old, the late uh, general manager who did so many good things for Boston and for the Philadelphia Phillies uh, when I started covering baseball, he called me aside one time, Neil, and he said, How? They're never as good as they look early, and they're probably never as bad as they look early. 
So I think we have to temper that a little bit and say it is early. There's a lot of games left. But the, this is a good pattern to follow, to, you know, for baseball people that have followed the game for a long time. To see a pattern team is just struggling like this, it's difficult to get back on track. And I, I guess I can say, okay, in Houston's case, I can see that they're going to pitch better. I mean, they can't pitch this battle year. At least that's I don't right. think that's the case. In Boston's case, I know they added David Price, but look, their pitching was near the bottom of baseball last year, and they do have a lot of question marks, and they now have Joe Kelly on the DL. And Eduardo Rodriguez uh, working to come off the DL, too. You know, I just can't figure this ball club out. The, the pitching, as you say, has been horrible, even with David Price. Uh, they just don't have it right now. I mean, I just can't. I picked this team to win the division. I thought with all the additions that they had made with David Price and, and all during the offseason, this, this ball club could probably win the division because it's so, so hard to repeat. And I thought the Blue Jays might be scuffling a little bit because they don't have David Price. But uh, Boston... <laughs> it is it is really, really uh, a question mark up there what's happening, and I'm not so sure how long ownership can, can sit back and watch this happen considering the payroll they have up there. Yeah, they have invested a lot, and they've got some guys look like Pablo Sandoval, who's on the DL, Rusne Castillo, they paid $70-plus uh, million, and, and he's down in the minors now. They've had some investments that certainly haven't worked out. Let's look at the broader picture then, American League East. You said you picked Boston. I still think, though, as I look across the American League East, that any of the five teams this year are capable of winning this division. I think you're right. Uh, right now I'm having trouble figuring out the Yankees. Of course, uh, they've won two games from the, from the Rays. Uh, they're 7-9. and nine. A-Rod's struggling. But they're going to get a role as Chapman back on May the 9th, and he's going to give them a, you know, the good closing role with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. This is a hard team to figure. But this division, yes, is wide open. And, hey, if the Rays could get more offense, Chris Archer could come around. I said before the season, people said, what about the Rays? What about the Rays? I said, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think they are. So far, that hasn't happened, obviously, mostly because Archer's 0-4 and the offense is struggling. The new additions haven't done too much. But, uh, I, yeah, to agree with you, Neil, I think that uh, this division is wide open. And, you know, specifically, you mentioned the Yankees. Um, you know, they shorten the game so much if those three relievers are able to stay healthy all year. But still, there are some questions with the rotation. Uh, Tanaka's not pitched a full season. CC uh, Sabathia obviously is coming off a very difficult year health-wise. Luis Severino's never had a full year. Uh, Nathan Avaldi had a better year last year than he did with the Marlins, but still not great. And Michael Pineda's never had a full year. So you don't have, let's say, a guy you can count on in their starting rotation to be able to give you 30-plus starts. You really don't, and I think what you've said is just what a lot of us think. Uh, prior to the season, I did not think the Yankees would be a contender. I thought this was really going to be a down year for them. And frankly, I still think that because they have a lot of aging players in that lineup that they could go down at any time with injuries. Uh, A-Rod, I did not think, would have the year that he had last year coming back from you know, the suspension and that type of thing, and he really has been struggling. Uh, I just can't see the Yankees winning it. But as we talked about, I mean, you know, write down the numbers, write down everything, and it could be anybody in that division. Not in the second half, or this—this this is the big caveat: the team that makes the big move. This could happen, like it did last year with Toronto. It, it certainly could. I think, to me, the, the hardest part—and Dave Wills likes to talk in the broadcast about how it's not who you play, it's when you play them. But I look across the American League right now, and. I don't know if there's a team among the 15 that you can say, okay, I don't think they're going to compete for the postseason. Um, 
while in the National League, the, I think the, the bottom five run differentials already this year are in the National League, where you're going to get a couple of, I don't know if mental days off, but you certainly have, have many more games that you can say, okay, we could and should win these series. I think you're possibly right. A lot of people Neil, have asked me about, you know, all the years I've been bouncing around trying to cover this game, what, what I think about it. I think, number one, this is a time when the young players are really coming forward. It's a new era in baseball with the Harpers and, and that whole class. Secondly, uh, Bud Selig, the commissioner, the former commissioner, said many, many times every team should have a chance come opening day. And that's kind of just, you know, rhetoric from the commissioner. But really, we have more parity in baseball right now than I can remember for a long time. Like you say, go up and down the standings. This team, that team, yeah, this happens for them, that happens for them. They could be right in it. There's parity in baseball, and, and I think that's making a lot of people very happy and, you know, putting fannies in the seats, so to speak, in the stadiums. Good stuff as usual, Hal. We certainly appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to having you on again. My pleasure. See you soon. You got it. That is Hal Bodley again joining us from MLB.com, the Dean of Writers for Major League Baseball. You know, from $2 kids to $2 dogs, senior specials to student rush, we have something for everyone each night of the week. You can check out the great specials at racebaseball.com slash specials or call 888-FAN-RAYS. want to thank Hal and all of our guests on the show today. Reliever Brad Boxberger, former Ray Andy Sonnenstein, Jared Sandberg, the manager for the Durham Bulls, Austin Pruitt, one of his starting pitchers, and also Baltimore Sunbeat writer Eddie Encina. And thanks as well. Terrific job by our producer today, Jason Berenger. Certainly, if you have something you'd like to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Now, next week on our program, among our guests will be outfielder Steven Souza Jr. as we chat with a race outfielder on the start of his season and also going back to Seattle because that's going to happen on the next road trip for him and the Rays. As far as today goes, Rays trying to get one in New York. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next with the Hooters, 4th Street in St. Petersburg, and you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.